0: Sup, you beautiful bastards, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, buckle up, hit that like button, let's just jump into it. Y'all, first up today, we have to talk about if Will Smith was hoping that this whole him slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars thing would be over because of his new apology, he is sadly mistaken. But, that is where we'll start today, with Will Smith, or his PR people, apologizing on his Instagram yesterday. Writing violence in all of its forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear and I reacted emotionally. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. And in this, also apologizing to the Academy, the King Richard family, and the Williams family. With that apology, to the Williams family may be also connected to Richard Williams, right? The man that Will Smith played in the movie. Having spoke about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, saying, we don't know all the details of what happened, but we don't condone anyone hitting anyone else unless it's in self-defense. Which is notable because in Will Smith's acceptance speech, he appeared to try to relate his actions on that stage to what Richard did himself. Also, today you with Jada posting on Instagram that this is a season for healing and that she is here for it. And as far as Chris, he has not issued a public comment on the situation yet, but oh, if he was in need of some new stand-up material, does he have it now? And not only does he have that, even though if you go online and people seem split 50-50, most comedians other than Tiffany Haddish have Chris Rock's back right now. Because like I said, if Will Smith's goal was for people to-
1: Keep my wife!
0: What he actually appears to have done is give the comedy community a green light. With some comedians like Tom Segura just throwing fucking haymakers right out the gate, tweeting, fuck Will Smith's candy ass, smacking a dude four inches shorter and 50 pounds lighter. He's just in his feelings because his bald headed bitch been fucking around on him for years and he takes it. We all know who he wishes he could slap, hashtag cuck Will. With other comedians like Chris DiStefano making kind of impromptu videos from their car saying,
1: I am 100% on Chris Rock's side. I mean, really? You're gonna slap a guy over a freaking GI Jane joke? I don't care what happened in your life before this, or he's been making fun of Will Smith and Jada Pickett Smith's relationship for a long time. It's like, yeah, because it's toxic. You can obviously see it's toxic. I mean, she publicly says she cheats on you all the time and Will Smith's obviously in the closet gay, which is fine. Just
2: come out, be free, be open, be gay, be happy. With some
0: like James Corden coming to Chris Rock's defense in a more calm way.
2: Seriously though, I I, I applaud Chris Rock for recovering, keeping the show moving. Uh, It was... An incredibly uh, dignified uh, response. I'll say this, Will Smith can't take a joke. Chris Rock can take a punch.
0: With comedians like George Wallace laying it out simple, saying as Rock got hit, I got hit. We comedians, we felt the pain. You also had Joe Rogan speaking out, suggesting that Will's fame or stature should not have allowed him to get away with that slap. Also talking about what this means for other comedians moving forward. Someone is
2: so enormously famous and successful like Will Smith that they literally still allowed him to not just win the Academy Award, but also go up and accept it and give a speech after he assaulted a small comedian. Yeah, they should have ejected stage. him. They should have ejected him from the show. 100%. 100%. I agree with that. You don't just you can't just go smack a man in the face in front of the world and then go about business as usual. First of all, it sets a terrible precedent. Yes. In, in, in so many different ways.
0: So it's a terrible precedent for comedy clubs. Yes. Like are people gonna yes. decide
2: that they're gonna go on stage and Ooh, smack the comedian now?
0: Additionally, Rogan and others calling Chris Rock's joke miles. Which is also I think why you had people like comedian Andrew Schultz doing a no holds barred. Oh, you thought Rock's joke was bad? Just watch this three minute roast of Will and Jada at the top of his podcast today. Also wearing armor, I guess, in case Will Smith was near the studio. If you didn't see the Oscars, Chris Rock got himself in a hairy situation. He shined a light on
1: female alopecia while Jada's head shined a light on everything else. (laughs) Chris was making fun of Jada's baldy, but seriously, how is Will supposed to get turned on if she has a woman's haircut? Now, I'm not (laughs) saying that he's gay. He likes women, specifically ones that swim for pen. Last night, Will Smith looked like he was from the streets of Philadelphia, and Jada looked like she was from the movie. (laughs) Now, after all that drama, Will Smith still took home an Oscar. I'm talking about the award, not a Mexican guy to f*** his wife while he watched in the oh corner. <laughs> case. You got wow. Now, to clarify, yeah. wow. Will won the Oscar for Best Actor. Oh. People Jesus. were saying it was for the Lifetime Achievement Award, and no, that's not it. That Oscar goes to the plumber that unclogged Jada's shower drain. <laughs> Will, <laughs> oh let this be a lesson
0: to you. If you want to keep your wife's name out of other people's mouths, make sure to keep your hands off comedians. With Scholes, also making a point that I've seen other comedians make where it very much feels like this is the comedy community versus the Hollywood community. With him noting that even though the crowd was kind of in shock that this was a thing that was actually happening, they very much appear to be on Will Smith's side. Keep
1: this in mind. All the people in that crowd have been made fun of by Chris Rock for the last decade. These are people who live in their own little Hollywood bubbles. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever Mm -hmm. gives them pushback. Nobody ever teases them. Nobody Mm -hmm. ever says nothing to these people. They don't have a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. You go see these shows and they're like groaning about all these jokes and then applauding when the joke is virtuous, right? Yeah. Yeah. They see they have to go to these events because they want the public uh, applause.
2: Yeah.
0: They
1: want the public validation. But they know that they're going to get caught in the crosshairs from a Chris Rock joke and it drives them crazy. And they were happy.
0: With the likes of Jim Carrey also taking aim at the audience reaction in Hollywood. I was sickened. I was sickened by the standing ovation. I felt like Hollywood
1: is just spineless. En masse.
0: Also saying Will Smith should have been arrested and of Chris Rock not filing charges, he said. He doesn't want the hassle. I, I'd have, I'd have uh, for announced this morning that I was suing Will for $200 million because that video is going to be there forever. It's going to be ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. You know, that insult is gonna last a very long time. But with all that said in the meantime we have people making jokes about Will Smith smacking the taste out of Chris Rock's mouth Will also appears to have slapped some dollars into Chris Rock's wallet. Not only because I imagine this made me and many more people want to see oh my god what is Chris Rock's next special going to be. According to reports the price for tickets to Chris Rock's next shows jumped from a minimum of $46 to 341 With Ticket Marketplace TickPick writing we sold more tickets to see Chris Rock overnight than we did in the past month combined. Cause yeah we want to know what you were thinking and what you stopped yourself from saying on that stage. As more and more people have noted, while yes, Chris Rock was frazzled, you there is a moment where you see himself hold back from just going in on the two. Also, as far as the Academy Awards taking this situation very seriously, they probably didn't mind that this year they got better ratings. I wonder why. Averaging 15.4 million viewers, though so I'd love to see the numbers for the last hour after the slap, but that average is huge. It's a 56% increase from the roughly 10 million people watching last year, though it is worth noting that these are early figures, so the number is probably higher. You know, there's a part of me wondering you know you have the academy awards publicly saying you know we're taking this very seriously but Behind the scenes, do they go, maybe we create more situations where this is like a, a Real Housewives reunion? Because their ratings have sucked for a little while now. Right, we talked about a 56% increase this year, but I mean, comparing that to 2020, where there were 23.6 million viewers, uh, in 2017, 33 million, these are garbage numbers. Right? this was still the second least watched Oscars since they began tracking viewers. But more people might tune in from the get-go if at any point you could hear Stone Cold's music play. But ultimately, that is where we are with this situation right now. And with it, I wanna pass the question off to you, one, what are your thoughts on the situation in general? Has that changed at all? And also two, what do you think about the comedians now going in on Will and Jada? Are you loving it? Are you disgusted by it? Are you somewhere in between? Let me know what you're thinking and why. And then you probably wouldn't be hearing about yesterday's debate over Nebraska's school funding bill today if GOP State Senator Bruce Boswellman didn't pick out one peculiar issue to talk about. And Bruce, what was it again? It's called something called furries. That's right, and Bruce, what did you say those were? If you
2: don't know what furries are, it's where school children, dress up as animals, cats or dogs, during the school day. They meow and they bark. And they interact with their school, with the teachers and that in this fashion. And now schools are wanting to put litter boxes in the schools
0: for these children to use.
2: How is this sanitary?
0: Right, so to be clear, immediately, that is not what furries are, and nobody is shitting in school litter boxes. Or just so we're all on the same page, furries are just people who identify or are interested in anthropomorphized animals, and some, though not most of them, dress in such costumes. So despite common media portrayals of it as a sexual fetish involving bestiality, and hey, some do engage with it that way, that is not the focus for a majority, with some comparing it to other fandoms and video games or comics that have erotic subcultures but are primarily non-sexual. And most furry activity consists of digital art, fiction, music, and even conventions, similar to a Comic-Con. But clearly, Bruce didn't know any of that when he continued his speech, saying,
2: I even heard from one person here recently said that a, that a, that a student identified as a cat and wanted a litter box... And the school didn't provide the litter box, so the student went ahead and defecated on the floor.
0: With him finishing by asking the school administrators, state senators, and board of education, what is going on? And well, Bruce, I have the answer for you, you are a shit peddler of misinformation. Right, turns out this is just a rumor that came from a parent's post last month in a Facebook group called Protect Nebraska Children, asking about the litter boxes and also saying at the same time he wasn't trying to propagate a rumor, I just wanna know if it's true, and I'm praying it's not. And despite a school secretary actually replying, saying this is in fact not true, this bullshit spread like bullshit does on the internet. Also leading to statements from several school districts denying the claim and calling it ridiculous. Plus, this led to Bruce, as well as a Democratic state senator, reaching out to school districts on Monday and being personally told that no, this is not a thing. Which then led Bruce to backtrack on his earlier speech, saying it was just something I felt that if this really was happening, we needed to address it and address it quickly. So, you know, rather than just research it, let me just regurgitate bullshit on a public platform. But, the BS probably won't end here, right? You have similar rumors spreading in other states as well. Like in Michigan, where the co-chair of the state Republican party shared a Facebook post claiming a school got a litter box for students who identify as cats, which was easily debunked by the superintendent, or in Iowa the following month where the superintendent had to do the same damn thing. And unfortunately, I don't see this ending anytime soon because weird lies spread way faster than boring truth. And I don't wanna say that no one's ever going to make some ridiculous requests like the stuff that's in these rumors because people are people and all it takes is one, but these are just weird, lazy lies that end up just harassing a community of people just minding their own business and having an interest that is different than yours. I personally don't understand it, but it ends up villainizing this whole community where the majority of it are just people enjoying stuff at like conventions and online they're not hurting anybody they just have this target on their back because it's so outside the realm of what most people consider normal and I say that as someone trust me that would speak out against someone saying hey we need litter boxes in school so I can shit in them you fucking dumb misinformation peddling donkeys but from that I want to take a quick second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show Vessi. Vessi's are lightweight shoes that are perfect for any season because they keep your feet warm and dry in the rain the snow the mud and they've got that comfort and breathability for everyday life you know I'm constantly in Vessi's running errands, playing in the yard with the kids. I love their weekend Chelsea boot that can dress up for business or for a date night with Lynn's. And with a revolutionary technology, Vessi makes a truly versatile shoe that is 100% waterproof and snowproof without sacrificing comfort, breathability, or style. It's a perfect shoe, whether it be for hikes in LA or on my winter vacation. And how does Vessi accomplish all this? They make their shoes from Dimatex material, a dual climate knit, keeping you cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And with antibacterial insoles, they're always fresh. They're always coming out with new designs and colorways, so go to Vessi.com DeFranco right now and be sure use code DeFranco to get $25 off. Grab a pair it while they have your size and you'll be thanking me later. And then, you know, there's been this question of the air of are we going to need a fourth COVID shot for this new sub of COVID that's been spreading? And well, as of this morning, the FDA approved a second booster of Pfizer and Moderna in people 50 and up. With the agency also approving second boosters for those with compromised immune systems, 12 plus for Pfizer and 18 plus for Moderna. And the CDC is expected to quickly sign off on this, though many believe it's just going to say that these groups can get a fourth shot rather than explicitly recommending it. Or right, because there's still a lot of debate among experts on the benefits of additional doses, with much of that debate centered around uncertainties about the future of the pandemic. But with that said, in general, there does tend to be a broader agreement among medical professionals that older populations and the immunocompromised may benefit from an additional shot. However, whether a second booster will be approved for younger, non-immunocompromised populations is more up in the air. But with this latest decision from the FDA, you have the agency saying that it made the approval because of uncertainty over whether an even more contagious version of Omicron will cause another wave of infection in the U.S., which is something we've already seen in Europe and China. Though, notably, while this Omicron subvariant is now making up a majority of new cases here in the U.S., cases in general are still on the decline here overall. And then, let's talk about major news around Trump and the 2020 election. With yesterday, District Judge David Carter finding that Trump more likely than not committed federal crimes in his efforts to obstruct the certification of the votes. With that finding, announced as part of a legal battle between the House Committee investigating the insurrection, and conservative lawyer John Eastman, who was heavily involved in helping Trump's efforts to turn over the election. Right following the election, Eastman helped organize quote, legal strategies and advise Trump's team on how it could subvert the will of the people. This including one infamous memo that members from both sides of the aisle have painted as essentially a blueprint for And if this sounds familiar, it's because we talked about the case earlier this month when the committee made a very significant filing in the case in order to force Eastman to give lawmakers more than 100 emails that he had refused to turn over. With the panel in that filing saying it had evidence of possible crimes committed by Trump and Eastman, including obstruction of Congress's official proceedings and criminal conspiracy to defraud the American people. And in his ruling yesterday, not only did Judge Carter order Eastman to turn over almost all the documents in question, he also appeared to back the committee's findings about the campaign to overturn the election, writing, The illegality of the plan was obvious. President Trump vigorously campaigned for the vice president to single-handedly determine the results of the 2020 election. With him also saying that Trump and Eastman's actions amounted to a coup in search of a legal theory that spurred violent attacks on the seat of our nation's government, also leading to the deaths of several law enforcement officers and deepened public distrust in our political process. Now, notably, this ruling does not charge Trump, Eastman, or anyone else involved in a crime, nor does it have any kind of practical legal impact on those involved, but legal experts say that it is highly significant because, as the New York Times explains, Judge Carter's decision was perhaps the investigation's biggest development to date, suggesting its investigators have built a strong enough case to convince a federal judge of Mr. Trump's culpability in laying out a roadmap for a potential criminal referral. Right, because while the panel cannot bring criminal charges, it can make a referral to the Justice Department. With as Vanity Fair describing it, the January 6th panel politely requests that Merrick Garland do his fucking job. Or less direct, as a Bloomberg opinion writer said, Merrick Garland has more than enough to investigate Trump. And that said, while the Trump spokesperson responded by calling the ruling absurd and baseless just this morning, we saw another piece of major news that could ramp up pressure even more. With the Washington Post and CBS reporting that White House records from January 6th that were turned over to the House Committee show a massive seven hour and 37 minute gap in. Trump's phone logs. According to the documents obtained by the outlets, there was absolutely zero notation of any calls made to or by Trump from 11.17 a.m. to 6.54 p.m., which includes the time the Capitol was stormed by the violent mob. Meanwhile, the calls that were documented show that Trump was active on the phone before and after the attack, with the records documenting conversations with at least eight people in the morning and 11 in the evening, with the Post noting that the seven-hour gap also stands in stark contrast to the extensive public reporting about phone conversations he had with allies during the attack. And adding that according to two sources familiar with the probe, the House panel is now investigating whether Trump communicated that day through back channels, phones of aides, or personal disposable phones known as burner phones, as well as scrutinizing whether it received the full logs from that day. And continuing, one lawmaker on the panel said the committee is investigating a possible cover-up of the official White House record from that day. Right, so that could be absolutely massive. And in response to this, we saw a Trump spokesman saying Trump didn't have anything to do with the records and assumed all his phone calls were recorded. With Trump himself also responding saying, I have no idea what a burner phone is to the best of my knowledge. I have never even heard of the term. Burner phone, never heard of her. And then finally, let's talk about Russia's now 37 day war in Ukraine. Obviously, fighting is still occurring throughout the country, although that may be changing in some parts. There are reports that Russia is shifting its priorities in the war and instead of trying to take Kiev and other key cities in the north, after facing serious setbacks, it's instead focusing on consolidating its hold in the south and east, right, especially when it comes to fully taking Mariupol. We talked about this a bit yesterday, but it seems that Ukrainian forces are still fighting for the city, which is the last bit of land that would secure Russian control of the coast of Azov, and that'd be a big deal because that would allow Russia to fully begin efforts to reopen canals into Crimea, which has been in really rough shape since effectively being cut off from basic necessities since being taken by Russia in 20. Either way, the decision to back off in the north likely made Russia's decision to say, as a sign of good faith, that it would heavily reduce attacks near Kyiv amid ongoing negotiations. Though to be clear, this is the rhetoric coming out right now, and there are definitely still reports of shelling going on in the area. Which is probably why we saw U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken saying, There is what Russia says, and there's what Russia does. We're focused on the latter. And what Russia is doing is the continued brutalization of Ukraine and its people, and that continues as we speak. Negotiations also hit another possible hiccup after it was reported that some negotiators were seemingly poisoned, including Roman Abramovich, the former owner of the Chelsea football club, With their symptoms allegedly including red eyes, painful tearing that won't stop, and peeling skin on their faces and hands. With the alleged poisoning being blamed on Russian hardliners who are trying to sabotage the peace talks, but we really don't know right now. However, all of that doesn't seem to have derailed the talks as of yet, because the two sides have continued to meet, and even made some headway on how Ukrainian neutrality could look. In fact, according to one of Ukraine's negotiators, they said, We will not host foreign military bases on our territory, as well as deploy military contingents on our territory, and we will not enter into military political alliances. However, they still understandably want security guarantees beyond Russia's word, and offered that certain NATO members could provide those guarantees. Ukraine is also intent on having presidents Zelensky and Putin meet to discuss Crimea and the separatist regions in Donbass, with some reports showing that Russia indicated this is a real possibility, but others also had a different tone. Where there are reports out there claiming that when Putin was given a note from Zelensky about a meeting and some of the negotiation terms, he said, tell him I will thrash them. So you know, that sounds like a promising start to negotiations. But even if all those hurdles are overcome, there's still one last one to deal with, a referendum. Zelensky has made it clear that a peace deal is not possible until Ukraine votes on it, and many Ukrainians may not want peace after being bombed for over a month or if it includes losing Crimea or Donbass. Also stepping back a bit, the world at large continues to apply pressure on Russia over its war. Yesterday, for example, we saw Japan say it would ban the export of luxury goods to Russia. This including things like vehicles, liquor, cosmetics, clothing, and a few other items. You also had Heineken and Carlsberg saying they were pulling out of Russia. So there are still efforts across the globe to restrict what goods Russians can get. Also on the diplomatic front, it was just announced that dozens of Russian diplomats would be expelled from EU countries over concerns about espionage. We also saw today's negotiations possibly having positive effects on the markets. Oil prices dropped and the S&P saw a pretty dramatic spike. And while that's a positive, it's just slightly positive in a world of just horrible, horrible news on this situation. Because the most important thing to remember is that when we talk about all these different aspects of the war, at the end of the day, the main thing that's happening is Ukrainians are unnecessarily dying in a truly pointless war, millions displaced, lives and families ruined. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. And y'all, as always, thank you for watching, liking, subscribing, being a part of these daily dives in the news, you beautiful bastards my name's philip defranco you've just been filled in i love yo faces and i'll see you tomorrow